Right, this is the fourth podcast for Mr. Sanders. Chapter three, implications upon design from wider issues. This is going to cover the basic exam techniques that we've done before. And then we'll move into impact of new and emerging technologies, sustainability, sources of energy, like where we get the energy from, and then wider implications that influence designing upon the making. Okay, so I'll kick you off with my first track. This is the streets and apologies for some of the inappropriate language. It's not that bad, but Sanders will kick it off. Sanders just brought you that one. So, the first thing we're going to go through is the exam technique. Now, this is everything that I've mentioned in the last three podcasts. So, I'll just briefly go over them. 
So remember the exam is 50% of your final mark. Okay, so it's well worth using these podcasts to look at or to listen to and remember everything that I'm saying. Make sure you always read every question carefully. Okay, so don't write an essay about modeling if it's only asking you about developing prototypes. So just answer what it is telling you to answer. You don't need to be writing loads of stuff on something that is completely irrelevant. Second one, make sure you look at the number of marks on the side of the question and take that as a guide so you know how much to write. So if it's saying one mark, then you only need to write one point or one descriptive point. If it's saying three marks, you're going to need to write three separate points about that question. So if it's saying to you, the property of softwoods, and then it's got three marks on the side of it, you give three properties of softwoods, not just one, and explain that property. Third one, always write your answers clearly. All right, so the examiner is not going to say, oh, but this student has done well in English, so we'll give them a point for their grammar and their spelling. Okay, if it's not right, then they're not going to give you a mark for it. If it doesn't make sense, they won't even bother reading it. The fourth one, you always use the correct terminology. Never just put wood or plastic or metal. Be specific in what you are putting. Okay, so wood, specific, MDF, pine. Plastics, use hips, acrylics. The fifth point, always make every single one of your sketches that you do clear. Okay, don't want to see any really scraggy looking sketches. Okay, they've got to be clear, preferably drawn with a ruler, but it's a sketch so it can be freehand, but always make them look clear. Don't squash them up. Make sure they're annotated and have all the information, the correct information on there. The final one for the little tips is just don't panic. Okay, if you can't do a question, don't mull it over. Go back over, go back to go on to the next one and go back to it right at the end. There's plenty of time in the exam. Next part is understanding all the command words that we give you. So if in the exam it says state, you should give a short answer or a list. You do not need to explain why. If it says define, you should always give clear, precise meanings of the word or phrase that you're going to be using or explaining. If it says outline, you should give a brief summary of the process. Not a really descriptive one, just a brief one because it's just telling to outline it. Just give the main points of it. Explain. This is where you need to give reasons. You need to show some understanding and say why. Okay, why it has happened in this process or something. Another one is describe. So here you need to give a detailed description of something. So this is where you need to show your understanding of the question. When it says discuss, this is where you need to give a balanced argument. Okay, so covering the plus points, the negative points, the good, the bad, fors and against. Okay, so you're giving each kind of side of the argument. Then you come up with a conclusion at the end of it to maybe give your point across. The final one is when it says assess or evaluate something. This is where you need to give your knowledge and show a clear understanding of what's going on and actually show a conclusion. Okay, so you need to state the conclusion at the end of it. Remember, long answer questions. Okay, these are questions with marks over, probably over six or seven marks. Okay, so these are the big, not essay-based questions, but you know, they're looking for a good four or five paragraphs in there of writing. This is like a, a side of A4. So this is where your answer needs to be well-written. So good spelling, good grammar, good punctuation. And it's got to be well-structured. So you start off with an introduction. You then go into the details, then a conclusion. You don't start your conclusion right at the start. Before you start, an extended response question, so the big answer questions, you might want to just jot down the points 
you want to make and plan the answer to help you structure it. So instead of going right into it, just do a little mind map at the top, just saying what you want to be putting in there. The next part, you might have to weigh up the advantages and disadvantages of this question. Okay, so covering both sides of the argument. Don't just go all for the positives or the negatives. Do both sides of the answer of the question. And then make absolutely sure you are answering the question and not waffling on. Okay, as soon as you start to waffle and repeat points that you've already raised, it will not count. Okay, you'll only be getting one mark if you've just waffled on and said the same thing over and over again, but in a different way. So, the key parts to this for a big question, well-structured answer, showing detailed knowledge, you need to get in there. You need to have an explanation that shows good knowledge and you know, a good description of it. You need to show both sides of an argument in there if it's a discussed question. You always have to have the correct terminology in there. That is a big, big point. And then there needs to be a conclusion. So you need to round off it. So maybe start it off in summary. Okay, or in conclusion, I have come to this point, this, um, I've decided that so-and-so means this. Okay, so it just rounds off the answer well. That's it all for the exam technique. We'll be doing this every single podcast, so it gets kind of ingrained into your brain. Okay, next part is just going on into this chapter, into chapter three. So the first part is the exams so so the introduction this chapter will cover kind of new technology and con is constantly emerging okay so it also becomes really quickly outdated and if it can't be repaired it just gets thrown away this is having a massive impact on the environment and there needs to be significant changes made in order for this to be rectified we're having a lot of issues in the news lately about climate change, about the struggles with the environment. And this is one way that we can be helping it as a designer and helping reduce the effects of this. Designers have to also think about wider issues. So wider issues that can help them improve the rates of, of production, that can help them improve the costs, the working area okay so the the kind of conditions that workers live in so working so that's all going to be touched upon in the next bit of the podcast the first part is the impact of new and emerging technology so all new technology will impact our lives at some point so this could be things such as a television could be a playstation could be your mobile phone. Now, one massive thing that has impacted our lives on an absolutely phenomenal scale is the internet. Only 15 years ago, when I was in university, in school, the internet wasn't around, or it wasn't around to the speed that it is at now. So you didn't even think about using it, really. But now it's just a, a thing that you use every single day on your phone. Okay, so there are some good and bad examples of this, some moral and ethical issues of it as well. Now, the internet enables everyone around the world to access it together. However, it has also big effects. It can have positive effects, such as the communication, the quick sending of files to one another, but it can also have effects upon the way we communicate to people. So we're not actually talking to them face to face, we're talking to them over the internet. It can cause massive meltdowns in companies and look at what's happened, what happened in the, um, the presidential election a few years ago. There was big kind of hacking story in Donald Trump's win and that brought down the whole thing. Okay, Lloyd's TSB about a year ago got hacked and that brought down the banking network for them and caused absolute devastation to their to their um 
system. The internet also has a, an impact upon the environment. It can have a positive impact, but it can also have a negative impact. Positive impacts are things such as you're reading ebooks instead of actually buying a book and having the paper, having it printed on the paper. You're doing meetings at work over Skype rather than having to travel. So using instead of using a transport, you're traveling to that person. So you're not traveling, you're just doing it over Skype in your own office. So you're save, you're reducing the carbon dioxide. However, because of the rate of use on, say, Amazon, think of the amount of deliveries that Amazon do. There is a load of pollution coming out of that. Okay, so levels of pollution are at an enormous level already. And they're only going to get higher and higher. Which means the introduction of the electric car can bring that down. But that's got to be refined. The energy demands alone of the internet just three years ago was 800 million tonnes of carbon dioxide. Now, this is an obscene amount of carbon dioxide going into the, into the atmosphere. By the end of next year, by the end of 2020, that's going to double to 1.6 billion tonnes of carbon dioxide is going to be let off into the, into the environment. The internet alone accounts for 2% of the world's energy consumption, which is a staggering amount, really. So those are the kind of examples of a good and bad example of technology that can be used in an argument in your essays, if it's asked, if that question's asked. <clears throat> Other new technology, emerging technology coming in, you've got artificial intelligence, AI. Okay, this poses a potential threat to employment because of the fact that you don't need to have people doing the job. A, artificial intelligence, such as robots in factories, working on a production line, these robots are doing the jobs that humans were doing just two years ago. It's leading to mass unemployment. You get the big car factories in the north that are having to close because of the introduction of artificial intelligence, introduction of the robots on the production line. There's no need for the humans now. So it's leading to mass unemployment, which then leads to possible crime, crime increase because people can't afford things, which then leads to possible homelessness. Okay, there's a whole trigger of things that could happen because of it. However, it has revolutionized the car manufacturing industry. So it is enabling us to get more things off the production line and quickly. It also is continually in development. So we're getting things such as the driverless buses. Okay, it might lead to unemployment for the bus drivers, but you do get driverless buses and driverless cars now that can reduce the, maybe, the pollution. It's an electric car. It's going more efficiently. You've got things that artificial intelligence uses, such as web transactions. Okay, all the things on the internet is done through the computer, which is a form of artificial intelligence. Okay, so that is one area of emerging technology. Another one is biometrics. We use biometrics at school, okay? So the fingerprint scanners and the lunch queues, that's biometrics, okay? So we've got your fingerprints on the school system, okay? You use biometrics within your phones, okay? So the lens capture, you've got, you can have fingerprint scanning on your phones as well. So this is becoming an increased part of security. Passport scanners in the airports use biometrics. Okay, they're being implemented in more areas now, but it's still an area that is not that convincing as a way of improving security because it can have a quite an easy way around it. Another one is virtual reality, VR. This is, we did, I've shown you the VR headsets and what that can do. So you can see 
inside a VR headset and you can see maybe better for interior designers or car manufacturers that can see the car and actually see around it or big products that you can see around. Interior designers use it a lot more because they can actually place themselves inside a home and can see and place different objects in different parts of the home. So it's more, it's feeling the impact more in those industries rather than a simple product design industry. Another area is drones. Now the increase of drones is again a positive negative impact upon society. You've got the good areas. So policing has been changed for the far for, for much better now because police can use it for crowd control. If you ever go to a big football match, like when I was at Birmingham City and Aston Villa, you've got about three or four drones hanging over you, just watching the crowd from way above. Because there's so much trouble at that game, you've got the drones just hanging around certain places. They're probably following me everywhere because I'm the ringleader of that trouble. But you've also got the drones for photography. Programs like the David Attenborough one, the BBC Natural World programs. Okay, they wouldn't be able to get half of their stuff if it wasn't for drones hanging over the elephants as they're moving along. But you've also got the bad points of it. So the recent disruptions at Gatwick Airport. Okay, there's been thoughts that the drones can be used for drug smuggling in prisons. Okay, being able to fly in mobile phones into prisons. It's a good and a bad way, it's still, again, got to be refined, but we're still in the early stages of it. So it will be refined in the next few years. Now, the impact that this technology has upon the environment really does put a cost onto the business. Okay, so we all have to think about the potential carbon dioxide emissions when making all the products that we do. So it is constantly in a designer's mind to keep those emissions low. Now, as a designer, you have to think about the natural sources for energy if the fossil fuels are running low. We have to be thinking about processing, doing the manufacturing process and storing energy, making things run on natural sources, okay, rather than using the traditional fossil fuels. Well, guys, that was a pretty fast-paced first part of the podcast. So I'm going to introduce my friend, Sanders, into this to play you another little song.
Indeed. Right. Move on to the next one of sustainability. Now, this in sustainability, you've all you all recognize what the six R's are in sustainability. The definition of sustainability is meeting those six R's, but also meeting the needs of the present generation without compromising the future generations. Okay, so we've got to meet all the needs of us now without our children paying the consequences of it. So this involves economic development, environmental development, food development, so the production of food, and social development, so being aware what that has upon society. In order for this to be met, so other than managing those six R's, we must think about sustainability when designing products. So we must choose non-toxic, sustainable, recycled materials we must manufacture using less energy. We've got to make products that have fuel and that are sorry fuel and material efficient. We need products to be long lasting, so they've got to have a better function. Products must be able to be recycled when they're when they've become when they're finished with. We must also consider the impacts of design upon all of the stakeholders. Now, within sustainability, as I said, the six R's, okay, this is going to become literally your Bible when you're talking about sustainability. First one, rethink. Can it be designed better? Okay, is it energy efficient, for instance? Next one, reuse. Can parts be reused? Can parts of the, of the product be reused? Can it be taken apart quickly in order for it to be reused? Recycle. Can it be taken apart again? Which parts can be recycled? Can we reprocess the materials that have been used? Reducing. Are any of the parts not necessary? Okay, is there too much material in there? Okay, can we size it down just so we can fit what we need to fit within it? Okay, does it need to be really big? Repair, okay? How easy is the product to repair? Does it need specialized components within it? Okay, or does it just use standard components that we can get from anywhere? Are there particular parts in it that are going to fail quite quickly? Refuse is the final one. And this is, do we really need this product? Okay, are there things that need to be thought of that can kind of make this product almost obsolete. When we're talking about the area of sustainability, this leads us into thinking about other areas within this bracket. Okay, so a big area when we consider sustainability, as mentioned just then, is that of obsolescence, okay, or planned obsolescence. This is when a company deliberately making an item out of date by stopping its supply or its service support. This encourages customers to buy a new product every so often. Now, we get this with mobile phones. Okay, mobile phones is a clear area of planned obsolescence. So we have adverts on the telly for new mobile phones. Okay, it makes you think, 
Oh, I don't want this phone anymore. My friend's not got this phone anymore. I want the new one. So I've got to get the new one. Okay, then what happens with the old one? Just goes into a drawer. I mean, it could be sold on, could be recycled possibly. You've got the operating systems on mobile phones. Some of them become outdated. They just don't get, up, don't get updated anymore. So you can't run certain software on it. Now, this becomes a problem because old phones can't run the newest things that you have that you might need for school or for work. So you have to get the new phone. Maybe even the USB charging cables on there, the ports. You can't get those charging cables anymore. So you can't charge your phone up. So your phone is obsolete. You can't have it, you can't use it. Another example is, think about the school laser cutter. Okay, so the laser cutter in C5. Now that laser cutter is very old. You see it is running on a very big computer. Okay, it's a computer that is running Windows 98. Now, or Windows 2000, I think. It's a very old version of it because the software that it runs on will not work on newer computers. So if you don't have a computer that has that software on it, then that laser cutter, that £14,000 laser cutter, is obsolete. You have to buy a new one. You can't use it anymore. Planned obsolescence can also be a positive. So medical companies use this with their syringes. So medical companies put planned obsolescence in their designs. So you can only use medical syringes once. Okay, they're single use only. This is to prevent infections. You think about electric toothbrushes. Okay, so that's them going against the planned obsolescence. So they've already thought about this. So they're not thinking about obsolescence in electric toothbrushes because you could have one electric toothbrush for the, ham, for the family and just have different heads on it. So you're not, and just clean the heads on it. So instead of buying a big plastic toothbrush, you're just buying a head for the toothbrush. As a consumer, we can think about these things and we can ensure that we become energy efficient we can conserve energy to ensure that we don't go into the planned obsolescence area. We can ensure that we make the right decisions with regards to the six R's. Okay, so we don't think about products that are going into that planned obsolescence. We think about recycled products. We are always using those reusable products. <clears throat> Methods have been put in place to beat the use of to beat the theory of planned obsolescence. This includes circular economies and cradle-to-cradle -cradle approaches within the economy. Now, a circular economy is an alternative to a traditional linear approach to design. The linear approach is you take the resource, so you take the material, you make the product, and then you dispose of it in a landfill. That's the linear approach. You source it, you make it, use it, dispose of it. Now, the circular, econ the circular economy makes products from recycled sources or energy efficient sources. It then uses the products, makes them, uses them, ensuring that maximum values are sourced from it. Then, at the end of its lifespan, those materials are recycled, regenerated, and it's started again. So with those recycled sources, it's the recycled sources from the old products going back around in a circle, using to their maximum values, then they're regenerated and used again. Now, the other area is the cradle-to-cradle -cradle approach. This is where the majority of material inputs and the outputs are seen as a technical or a biological nutrient. Okay, so this is where we can use possible plastics from the ocean and then they can then be reused. So we're using the things that harm in the ocean, taking those out of the ocean, we're melting those plastics down and we're using them in a product. 
And then at the end of its lifespan, we can then melt those plastics down again and reuse them. So they're not touching the sea. We're not throwing them into the sea. We're not throwing them into a landfill. Biggest company using this at the moment is Adidas. And they actually use it in parts of their trainers where they use plastics from the sea and they put it into their trainers. And then once it's once their trainers come to the end of their life, they have a an it's a place where you can post your trainers back to Adidas and then they can reuse that part of the trainer again. And it goes off into that cradle to cradle approach. Within this whole system, we also have to think about the sources of energy. So where the energy comes from that we're using in these production processes, these manufacturing processes. At the moment, all countries in all of the world have massive energy demands. And this is continuing to increase. Now, meeting demands of this energy is makes us have genuine concerns over the use of the existing resources. So the, the fossil fuels that we found that are found in the ground. These are oils, the natural gases and the coals. These are all finite elements. These, the fossil fuels, if you didn't know already, are deposits left over and they are the little plants, the bones from animals, people from millions of years ago that are have been degraded into the ground and those elements come together and make the oils, the natural gases and the coals. These elements, the deposits left over after they've been used, cannot be reused. So we have to be thinking about, can we switch to renewable energy sources to increase the lifespan of finite elements. So having a renewable energy source will make the oils, the gases, the coals last for that little bit longer, but it's still not, an, not long enough really. There are three different ways that energy can be stored and transferred. We have kinetic energy. So moving objects such as wind, in wind turbines, they have the dynamos that wind up mechanical energy and they, they transfer that energy over into generators. We have thermal heat. So this is heat that then powers, the steam powers the, the generators to create energy. And chemical energy. So these are stored in fossil fuels, so in fuels that we burn, and then that releases a thermal energy. The non-renewable energy, which I touched upon before, as I said, these are the sources that are grown from the ground. Okay, so the liquids, the gases and the solids. Coal, crude oil and natural gas are all the fossil fuels. As I said, these are all compressed over time and the fossil, fossilised remains of animals and people, plants, from millions of years ago. The only one that isn't a, a fossil fuel that we use, but is a natural form of well, a non-renewable energy, is the uranium ore. Okay, This is a solid and is mined. Um, this isn't renewable and this is what we use for nuclear energy okay at the moment nuclear energy is there's a big argument over whether that is an actual efficient way of using of having power okay so if you think it is then there is quite a fair bit more of uranium ore within the ground than there is of the the, the more fossil fuels at the moment, there is a global move movement to reduce the amount of fossil fuels that we're using because there is a huge oil shortage. This is seen in the increased prices of petrol at the petrol stations. Um, 
when we burn a fossil fuel, this ha also has a negative effect upon the environment. Okay, so the gases, the carbon dioxide that is produced when you burn it, damages the environment again. So another form of damaging the environment. The alternative to the non-renewable sources are the renewable sources of energy. So this is where energy is in constant supply. It's always available. Okay, the wind, the sun, these can be replenished in a very short amount of time because it's always there. This comes in comes in six different areas. Okay, so we've got hydro hydro energy. This is where water in dams turns turbines. Okay, so the power in power of the water in the dam, it turns turbines making energy. You've got wind energy. As mentioned before, the blades turn turbines, which again, mechanical energy creates the electrical energy. You have solar power, so power from the sun. You've got tidal barrages. Bar bar <laughs> these are turbines that turn when there's big waves. So these are usually planted just offshore from the country. And then as soon as a like the big waves hit, it makes, turns the turbine, which then generates energy. You've got geothermal. So underground, cold water is pumped through heated rocks. So we've got massive amounts of heated rocks underground. And then this, the steam from that, turns the turbines and generates electricity. You've got biomass. So fuel from the woods, the sugar canes. Okay, so different natural resources, again, burnt and steam turns turbines. Another area of renewable is batteries. So there's a big push on having things with rechargeable batteries on now, not those batteries, not the double A's batteries, the triple A's that you put into things and then they run out and then you just throw them away. Okay, so the final area is the wider implication that influences designer makings so different things around the world that influence a designer's making there's lots of areas that need to be considered okay so we've been through in previous chapters the social moral and ethical values that play a big part in design um, one big area is the environmental initiatives that are going on at the moment so a designer has to be aware of the limits that are put upon them because of the impact that a design might have upon the environment. Okay, so if you've got a design that is going to create a big amount of gas coming out that is going to destroy the environment, then they will not let it through. Okay, you will not be able to get a patent through. It will not be into production. You've got fashion playing a big part in this. They're encouraging eco-friendly initiatives. So they're looking into the the fair trade initiatives, working conditions for the users, uh, material sources, so where that material is coming from. The fair trade initiative is ensures appropriate working conditions for all its workers around the world. Okay, so they make sure terms of trade between local businesses and companies are fair and the local businesses are getting what they deserve so they're not just being fobbed off with a couple of pound for a bit of cotton where it should be a few hundred pounds for a bit of cotton fair trade products can be found in supermarkets now which then get put down to those little businesses in other parts of the world we've got social ethical awareness so we're always looking at the social ethical side of businesses of making so we're constantly considering the conditions of the workers, what conditions they work in, thinking about it. The social issues, so job losses. So is your product going to create a lot of job losses? Okay, have you got a big focus upon artificial intelligence, the use of those robots? Are you going to be able to keep jobs in your, in your making production? What can be made from those products? Have you got 
enough materials within it to then make another product from it. Okay, so you think about the cotton industry, again, the fashion industry. Cotton industry really struggles in this area of social ethical awareness, okay, because they have a lot of child labour issues. Okay, they, those companies use a lot of child labour to pick those, that cotton and to create it. Okay, so then you have to think about when you're buying this, is this an ethical source? Okay, how can we help this company? Okay, so the fair trade sticker on it ensures that you're buying it from a reputable source. The final area is global sustainable development. Now, the Brundtland Commission, that's B-R-U-N-D-T-L-A-N-D, Brundtland, it demands that, it puts on a demand that meets the needs of present generations without compromising the ability of future generations to meet its own needs. Now, very much what the initial definition of a sustainable lifestyle is. Okay, through this Brundtland Commission, we had the Paris Agreement in 2016 brought up. Now, this focuses on a reduction in greenhouse gases and emissions. It ensures that designers are making appropriate and necessary choice of materials and technology within their making facility. So it ensures that everything they do through the Paris Agreement is of a sustainable nature. Okay, has got sustainability within mind. Now, that is the last part of that podcast. Now, we've been over, so just to summarise it, so we went through over the exam techniques. Ensure you remember those exam techniques. Okay, I'll go through it again on the next one, but it's going to be the same stuff going through over and over again. We've done the impact of technology. So looking at how new forms of technology have come in and created a better working environment or possibly not a better working environment. We've looked into sustainability, how sustainability is improving design and how we have to think about sustainability within design. Looking into different sources of energy, so where energy actually comes from. So the fossil fuels, the non-renewable energies, the renewable energies, so thinking about the solar energy, the wind energy, hydro energy, and then the wider implications that influence designing and making. Now, this is where we look at the social and ethical parts, so the fair trades, and things that really you do need to be thinking about as a designer. Okay, now, that's all for the podcast. I'll leave you with the final song. Now, if only you could imagine DJ, 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 DJ. the joy on my face when this song comes on. DJ, Sanders DJ. presents it.
Bajaya, 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 bawa ladang. 